Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, this is a very different type of episode. I've recently run a brand and marketing masterclass, a three-day course that people have paid thousands of pounds to be on, and we were doing a section of content on that course called Repurposing, which is how to use one piece of content, but get five or 10 uses out of it, create an asset from it, leverage it, And I thought it'd be kind of interesting if I could do that piece of content while doing a live feed video, which I did, and recording this podcast. Also, on the Brand and Marketing Masterclass, we did a section on design and brand from our head of design and brand at one of my companies. And that seemed to go down really well. So what we've done is edited all that together for a very different episode. You've never heard this before on this podcast on repurposing content, which was being repurposed and is being repurposed as we speak and design and brand and a Q&A session on that. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and I'm not in my usual location. You might see I'm in a room with Uh, A lot of friends, there's about 40 of us in this room and we're doing something very different. So we're in Brand and Marketing Masterclass. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, uh, we're in a very private three-day course which is only accessible to some of my best clients who've been with me for many years. And the section in this course, hi Simon, is how to repurpose your content, how to create one piece of content and use it five or 10 or 20 times and have it last for years. So the last thing you want to do is the same piece of content 20 times, write 20 different blog posts or do 20 different versions of a video and spend hours. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just run your mouth off a bit ad lib like I do for a living and then you might be able to see there. Can you see Harry and Felicity over there? So they're actually recording the audio and the video of this. Are you live editing, guys, by the way, as well? So they're live editing this, and this will become an online brand and marketing masterclass. So I'm doing this course for the first time. Would you all agree that this is the first time I've ever done this course? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I won't be doing it for a second time, because then we will have a three-day online course, which Harry and Felicity are editing live. I'm now live feeding to you, or you're listening to the podcast, and I'm gonna deliver how to repurpose your content. So there's a lot of moving parts here, but I want to give you a live demonstration. All right, so I wanna keep you all involved as well, so ask any questions at any point. So I want to help you maximize and leverage your time by having every hour you spend become an asset and not exchange time. And actually they're not listening to me, they're all just watching the live feed of me doing the live feed. So, and most people, you know, I charge my time out 100 quid or even 1,000 quid, but then they've got to charge their time out again. I would like you to spend an hour, Chris has just said funny looking bunch, you all are. So, Chris, you're going to have 40 trolls now, mate. 
Um, so I want to think, okay, if I'm going to spend my hour delivering a course or doing a live feed video or even 15 minutes, I'd like that to be able to be used for another 10 years. I'd like millions of people to be able to listen to, watch, tune in or buy. So that's why I do a lot of videos and that's why I also convert it into a podcast uh, and that's what I'm doing with this course. So let me help you. Number one thing to do is, Mark, stop posting. You're posting on it now, aren't you? We're stuck in this virtual matrix time loop. All right. So number one thing is you create your content in your preferred format. So maybe you prefer to write, maybe you prefer to live, maybe you prefer to do a highly edited video, maybe you prefer to do audio on podcast. You do your piece of content once. That could be, you know, giving people valuable information. That could be writing a story. That could be creating a brochure or some material for what you sell. You do that once. And then you're thinking, how can I put this across as many platforms as possible? This is really weird. Lydia wants me to say hello to Neil. Uh, Neil, your wife's just said, will you say hello? This is getting even weirder. He says hello back, honey. Uh, you know when some people say, is this stuff live? This is too live. All right, fine. Um, so this is going to go on YouTube as well. So plan your content and then over a period of maybe two weeks or maybe every three to four days, post and repurpose it onto a new format. So I'm doing this live feed video now. We'll put it in three or four days onto YouTube as a video. Then I guess we'll relaunch this as a podcast, what, in a week or two, Harry? Monday, uh, Monday apparently, which means there's nothing in the bank. Uh, and then it will be the online version of Brand and Marketing Masterclass, probably start of January. Uh, I might, for example, have a transcription of this written so I've got a chapter on repurposing that might go into my new book. My new book is called Start Now, Get Perfect Later. And if I want you to maximise your time in that book, I might have a chapter on leveraging what you've already done rather than starting again. I don't know if I have got a chapter on that. Maybe I should. And then all of a sudden you've got, that was at least six different ways of using the same piece of content. Now, I, I, and ah, here, Mark. When are we getting the VR version? So yeah, in the future, you'll be able to do virtual reality. So you're, you know, we will be all be in our headsets. And, and that, so you know, there's more media to come. Michael, we were just talking about you. Um, that photo you did where you put me and Mark in a wedding dress kissing. Uh, so you're actually famous. Um, so Michael, everyone in here knows you for your trolling of me and Mark. All right. Uh, okay, so here, I, I've got more, I've got more. So let's carry on. So let's say you wanted to write a book. How would you make that really simple for you? Well, I think the two hardest things in the world closely related is writing a book and raising kids. And everything else after that is a lot easier. Um, so let's say you want to write a book and you couldn't afford to go away to the Bahamas for a month and you know, lock yourself and um, just get it done. You might do 52 blog posts in 52 weeks and they might all be related to money and then that becomes your book. And then you sell the book for many years to come. And then you've written a book without writing a book. If you're not a writer, what you do is you plan the 52 chapters and you do 52 live feed videos every Monday for 52 weeks. And then you send it to an outsourcer and your outsourcer transcribes it into written form. And then you give it to a proofreader to proofread. And then you get it back. And then you leverage 
a voiceover artist to do the voiceover, and then you leverage Amazon and iTunes and get the content out there. And again, you're repurposing many times over. So I don't really think that there's, there's any content or anything that you say that couldn't be repurposed. What my outsourcer does is he goes through some of my content and he picks out all the little sound bites and quips that could be quotes and he puts them in a funny visual image or he gets a picture of me doing whatever and he puts a little quote, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything and then he's got Instagram content and Pinterest content. I think it's important when you release this content, you don't dump the 10 versions out all on, the pl- on all the platforms at the same time. Otherwise, that can be overload if people follow you on all different platforms. We had a chat about this for ages, didn't we, um, in an earlier module. So you time release it. Here's another point. I hope you're finding this useful, by the way. The, um, the numbers of viewers are going up and up and up, so this is good. Um, make sure your content is evergreen. If you go, ah, oh, base rate just went up from 0.25% to 0.5%. By the time there's the next interest rate review, that video is now out of date and that content is out of date. So where possible, make your content last for many years because that's maximum leverage of your time. Do you remember, everyone, and give us a nod, do you remember when I was talking to you about Rich Dad Poor Dad selling 41 million copies? That'd be a no. Um, Yes, they did. So, um, you know, you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, it's a great book. He's getting leverage on my content commission, Mr. Kiyosaki. Um, Now, he hasn't written a really technical book. He's written a conceptual book, which 20 odd years later is still as relevant. Even better than that was what Napoleon Hill wrote in Think and Grow Rich, which was in the 20s or the 30s. It's nearly 100 years old. But he didn't write about the social media of 1921, which was getting on your horse and going to talk to someone in another village. So where possible, make your content never go out of date. And then it has the maximum shelf life. Yes. What's your name, sir? Hi, Ian. Hi, everyone. Okay, so they're doing live editing. Yes. You've got a team to do that. Okay. So the question was, how do you do live editing? Harry, you're going to be famous. <laughs> Harry, tell everyone how you do live, or Felicity. You know when you said you didn't want to be speaking yeah. in public? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, now you just have. What, for our current setup now? Uh, yeah, so how are we live okay. editing so, this course? So what we do, we have three iPhones for this, uh, this setup here, and they're all connected to the Wi-Fi. And we take that signal and we put it into the mixer, which is the iPad Pro here. Within that, we've got graphics uh, operated by me or Felicity, and we can cut between any of the cameras there, and we sync it all up to the audio separately. And in that way, that's how we, uh, we get a finished video and we can take that and use it as a podcast. We can use it as a video. Fuck off. Can you edit that out then? You can live edit that out. Not live edit, but I can take it and post it. <laughs> uh, right. He can post edit that out. Yeah. All right. Mm. Cool. Thank you. Does that answer your question, Ian? Yes, it does. Thank you. Does anyone else have any other questions? Yes, Cash, what's your name? Cash. Hi, Cash. I haven't really got a question. I just wanted to get on the live feed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope you had a good time listening to the podcast or watching the live. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. And I wouldn't share this one. All right, there we go. So that was relatively easy. (laughs) You bastards made that really hard for me. I can't believe your wife said hello to you. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Neil, Neil who? Nick is head of... 
brand and design at Progressive Property and Unlimited Success. I mean, he must add, have you been what, been in design and brand for what? A quarter of a century? Something like that. Yeah, about 25 years. It's your passion as well as your profession. Love it. Yeah. You have got one of your shirt buttons undone. I thought I'd better let you know that because I don't want you ruining it's that. It's what I feel like when I see you, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it to ruin your image. Um, so please give Nick a huge round of applause. And hello, everyone. Everyone, this, this is Nick. Nick. Nick, this is everyone. So this is going to be very informal. It's going to be a conversation between Nick, myself and you. Uh, and you can prepare any questions that you've got on brand. Nick and I may agree or disagree. Nick may know some answers and me not and vice versa. That's all, ca all okay. Let's see how it goes. Um, so the first question I've asked Nick is how can a brand be monetized where it's not a direct selling entity. So the difference between brand and direct response is direct response, I'm selling to you, buy my stuff. But with brand, it can be artistic, it can be creative, it can be ethereal, it can be um, just a, a, a memory or an emotion. And it's often not a direct sale. No. So how do we monetize brand when it's not a direct sale? That all encompasses a brand in the fact that that's exactly what it should be doing. Your marketing is your conversation and your brand is your personality. Your brand is your story. Why is somebody emotionally gonna connect to what you do? Because that separates what you tell them you're going to do. Your marketing tells them what you're going to do, how you're gonna go and do it. Your brand is something that is the personal part of what so you do. So your brand is who you are. Yeah, and if you think of, if you think of where, like, where brands are, brands are very prevalent in today's society, but if you think of when Bill, um, not Bill Gates, Steve Jobs created his first Apple, brands weren't even about. So he did something passionate, built a business, and he ended up with a brand. And that's the way that most companies, especially small companies, grow. You have something at the beginning, you start selling something, you get bigger, and you grow towards having a, grow towards having a brand. So Which is exactly how we did it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we're still doing it. Yeah. And, still, and the switch of me coming in is for us to polish what the brand is. And how much you wanted to get paid, because we couldn't afford you for a very long time. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the difference between it working for you. It should always be working for you. Monetizing brand when we're not asking for the money. Let's talk about that. Okay. So uh, your brand is about, so to monetize it, you need to place it. So your brand's not going to do anything unless you move towards it doing something. So when you understand what your brand is, I think what I put is who, who in your um, circle has uh, an audience that your brand has synergy with and place your brand with that person. You're not going to pay them to do it. You, it's a, almost like a brand endorsement with people around you um, that allows you to cement what your brand does. So if you offer a service to a particular industry, who's the player inside that industry that you could get social proof that your brand works, your service works, your product works? Um, because to pay to go and do that, or to, and that's what you're trying to do with your marketing and what you're trying to do with your whole business, to go and place it with somebody. And now, <coughs> with I think one of the questions that we come on to is, how does social media play into that? Now, the social demographic is hugely different, isn't it? You think of the, the YouTubers, um, Instagrammers, um, they have 
their own social proof. People have bought into them because they're their own personality, they're their own brand. Um, they've been themselves, that's what's made them a brand. They didn't start off being a brand. They just did what they, again, what they're passionate about, and then they talked to the world about what they're passionate about. The world fed into what they were passionate about, and they became a brand. So they organically became a brand. But to put your brand with some of those people, if there's any synergy there, is a way of you getting your brand out there without you physically paying for it. Okay, so let's summarise that with a few bullets if you want to write them down. So how can you monetize brand? Number one, consistently showing your market, your personality. When Progressive started, virtually all of the leading players in property, way bigger than us, wore a grey suit that didn't fit very well and a white shirt with one button undone and were very corporate in their messaging. And then there was Progressive Property, Rob and Mark, 20-something, spiky hair, stripy shirts, racy, mouthy, and whatever else people perceived us to be. And just by showing our market a very different personality, which, by the way, was who I was. I wasn't trying to be anyone else. The thing about being an, art, an artist and a bit creative is I was able to bring that flavour into the market. That gave us great positioning because people were going, who are these two guys? Well, one looks all right and the other one runs his mouth off. Stripy shirts, what's all this stripy shirt stuff? So I, we were injecting our personality, which was also unique and disruptive and different into a marketplace that was probably a bit samey. Now, Richard Branson goes in and disrupts in niches like that. And if your personality is different and unique to your marketplace or bringing something different and unique to your marketplace, you get increased position. It's far easier to monetize brand as opposed to monetize direct response marketing if underneath what is being branded are assets that people can purchase your stuff with. So if you have an event, let's say, and it's hosted on Eventbrite and they can pay via PayPal or credit card or debit card and there's online checkout pages and at your events you have your things that you plug into your iPhone that can take payments, etc. I think Stripe is another a payment gateway. Um, you know, you, you, you take all forms of money and you're easy to exchange money with, then your branding will monetize. But if you have none of those assets, your branding, all the leads it generates and the interest will just fall into the ether. These, this is going to be, have to be things you're going to have to do is to set up all those online assets. Do you have a payment merchant? Is that agreed with the bank that you use? By the way, if you ever run events, you'll need a backup one. Because as soon as you start doing big events, one company, one bank will end up shutting you down because events is a, a, a somewhat ethereal business model for um, the banking world to understand sometimes. Um, do you have different mechanisms of people to pay? Can they find you on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, po the podcast app, iTunes, Amazon, Audible, etc.? on all of those assets, is it easy for them to navigate how to go and buy your books 
audios, products, services, book a call with you, opt in to an email, etc., etc. So you know in the, um, you know you go down to the fairgrounds and you put your coin in and it goes just like that. So I have no fucking idea why I just told you all that. You need this trickle-down effect of your brand because, you know, you can spend money on building brand awareness. Like I said with Apple, everyone knows how to go and buy an Apple product online, second-hand on Amazon, eBay, wherever else, in-store. If your business and your personal brand are the same thing, have one brand. Have one, like, as much as you can have one brand, have one brand until you can't. Until it's... As Rob said, a different business partner, a totally different direction that the brand can't carry. The whole, you know, um, brands, you're trying to build up confidence that you do something in a certain way. If you're going to do something in a very different manner, a totally different product, and the goodwill doesn't carry across to the other brand, you have to have another brand. Otherwise, you keep the same brand. So if it's the same thing, only have one, ever only have one brand. Because all of it, the, amount, the amount of money it takes to keep a brand going from brand and marketing and time, you're better off having one brand. So I think where some people get confused with this personal brand bit, for quite a long time, there was progressive property and progressive property only. But I'd have my own Facebook page and I'd have my own social media assets. And for enough time, three, four years, it was just Rob of Progressive. In fact, if you look at a lot of my old handles, my old usernames, my Facebook page is Rob Moore Progressive. My Skype address is Rob Moore Progressive. But then it got to the point where it was A, different. I'm talking about business a lot more now and not property really at all. In which case I'm going to confuse my market if I keep talking in the property space about non-property stuff. So we were going like that. B, we had a brand strategy to get me a mark out of the brand of Progressive so we could grow it. So if it's Rob Moore Progressive and then you come to a Rob Moore Progressive event and you have Catherine Turner as your trainer, you're like, where's Rob Moore? So it was a strategic thing. And you can look at it like we've gone ding, 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 but we've done this over like 10 years. So start with one brand and have all of your assets and some of them will be your own name and some of them will be your company name. Set up your company page and your personal page, but have one brand. Thanks, everyone. Why, thank you.